Good morning. If my life had a theme song, it would be one that was written by Stephen Curtis Chapman, and I wrote here several years ago. I'm realizing these days when I think several, it's actually a lot more than several. Uh, But the song says, as I look back down this road I've traveled, there's so many times you've carried me through. If there's one thing that I've learned in my life, my Redeemer is faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything He has said He will do. And every morning His mercies are new. My Redeemer is faithful and true. And in every situation He has proved His love for me. When I lack the understanding, He gives more grace to me. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Many of you may know of Reverend Harold Perry, who pastored at the Malden Church for several years, was a member of the ENC Board of Trustees, and was related to former and actually even current employees at the college. As a teenager, we called him the Candy Man. He always had a pocket full of candy, and you couldn't escape his presence without a hug or warm handshake and a piece of candy. I remember a time when I was about 16, and I was struggling with this new realization that those that I had looked up to, those that I had trusted, and those that I loved often fail. Reverend Perry put his hand on my shoulder and said something to the effect of, Kevin, people are human and imperfect. People will fail you. But keep your eyes on Jesus, because he will never fail you. And I found this to be true time and time again. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything He has said, He will do. When Matt asked me to share my story, I didn't hesitate to accept. Not because I felt like I had great things to share, but because that's my nature. I often hear the words, will you, and answer yes before the request is even finished. And often I end up regretting it. Like this time. Uh, The regret doesn't come from fear of uh, public speaking or being in front of a group. After all, that's what I do for a living. But as I was beginning to think about what to share, I realized that my life really just isn't that interesting in the big scheme of things. It's fairly normal. Uh, It wasn't until about 3 a.m. as I lay awake on Wednesday night of this week uh, that some ideas uh, began to come to me. of what to share. I don't like to read a script when I teach or speak, but today for the sake of time I'll try to stick closely to these notes. Otherwise there's no telling where we might end up. There was a book that came out a while back, I don't know the name of it, but it explained that some minds work like waffles and some like spaghetti. Some follow a very coherent logical path from one square to the next, or one idea to the next. And others of us just wander around, like a noodle, ultimately getting to where we need to be, dodging meatballs along the way. And sometimes we don't actually get where we need to be, we just end up in some weird random place. So if you've ever doubted the validity of ADHD, hang on because the ride is about to get interesting. 
you are about to get a glimpse into one of those minds. Uh, it's a fascinating and often very odd place to be. As far as my life goes, it's been fairly normal in some ways, and not so much in others. I have a strong Christian heritage of which I'm very thankful for. My father is a retired Nazarene pastor. My grandfather was a pastor, evangelist, and district superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. Both of Mindy's grandfathers were Nazarene pastors, and her dad was also before he came, became a college professor. Between Mindy and I, I've had the privilege of knowing seven out of eight of our grandparents, and she's known all of them. Both our grandparents and our parents have loved God and the church and raised us to do the same, and for that I am grateful. As I was laying there in the middle of the night this past week, thinking about what to say, a very interesting thought dawned on me. As I thought about the events and people in my life that have made me who I am today, I realized that I have an image of myself that is a little, okay, maybe not a little, quite a bit younger than the person that I am today. My doctor offended me recently by calling me middle-aged, uh, and I realized that that's really not how I see myself. But as this realization that what he said was accurate dawned on me, I began to see all of the water that's under that proverbial life bridge and realized how far I've come. I've lived in 10 states, two of them twice, 12 different cities, one of them twice, Quincy, and 19 different houses or apartments. I've moved a lot for a lot of reasons. And I won't tell you all those stories for the sake of time. God has blessed me with a wonderful family. Mindy and I have been married for 21 years. When I proposed to her, I don't remember everything I said, but I do remember that I said something like, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And with his help, we can make it. Little did I know all that was ahead. Just to give you a quick rundown of some of the major events in our lives, since Mindy and I have been together, life has brought five academic degrees between the two of us, and if that's not a test of marriage, I'm not sure what is. God has blessed us with two wonderful kids and two maybe not so wonderful dogs along the way. We've dealt with clinical depression and anxiety. Several years ago, I was diagnosed with adult ADHD. And a few years after that came a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. We've endured two miscarriages and an ectopic pregnancy, more career and life transitions than I care to remember. Death of grandparents, health issues with both sets of parents. Mindy's dad, as most of you know, has had heart trouble and a stroke in the past couple of years. Her mother was diagnosed with lupus. My father, a knee replacement and heart trouble, and my mother has just come through a year-long battle with cancer. Through it all, however, I can see the mighty hand of God at work. And I can see that in each circumstance, every time, He has been faithful and true. Sure, like all of us, there have been struggles and there have been disappointments. Betrayal by those that we thought to be friends. But as I thought about all of this, I decided that I wanted to share just a thoughts on a few people 
and ideas that have impacted my life and a few lessons that these people have taught me. My mom tells the story of an old and rough, tough merchant marine named Banks. I was preschool age. My brother was in kindergarten. Banks showed up at the house one morning and announced, I'm here to take the boys. Uh, take them where, my mom stammered. None of your business. I'm just here to take mama's little darlings and teach them how to be boys and how to be men. Don't worry, Nancy, his wife, is with me and they'll return safe. And off we went. Banks taught me a love for learning. He taught me how to farm, how to fish, how to ride go-karts, how to use power tools. None of these things were things that my father ever would have taught me. He has a hard time changing a light bulb. Uh, Banks and I would sit and read encyclopedias for hours, trying to find all of the interesting facts that we could. To this day, there has been no adult influence on my early life, including relatives more important than that old merchant marine. Moving into my teen years, there were many influences, but the most important was probably my youth pastor, Dave McKnight. Dave was a trailer park maintenance man and a student at a local Christian college when I first met him. Without Dave, I would not be the person I am today. And I often question whether I would have made it through my teenage years without him. My most vivid memory of Dave is that every time he saw me, without fail, he would ask the question, how's your PR? Meaning your personal relationship with Christ. And he truly wanted an answer. There's not enough time to tell you all the ways that he influenced my life. And for those of you that have been praying for him since his accident that I mentioned earlier in the summer, I'm happy to say that he's recovering quite well. I remember others later in life. Mike Schutz at ENC taught me things like, if it matters to others, it should matter to you. Doug Hardy, another mentor, taught me that God really knows us and will meet us right where we are at. James, one of my 7th grade students from Framingham, sat in a hospital room in Boston very ill, but with no one there to comfort him or be with him. James reminded me of how many people there are in this world that are hurting and alone. James eventually came back to school, but I later lost track after he moved away. And even though I don't know what happened to him, I thank God for those few moments that I had to be the presence of Christ in his lonely world. I've realized in my life that you just never know what God can do when you're faithful to him. I received a letter from Ryan a few years ago. Ryan was a student that I had taught many years before at my first university teaching job. On my last day at that school, I pulled Ryan aside and challenged him. He was a gifted musician and natural leader but he was not living up to his potential. I told him what I saw in him. I told him that I thought he had the potential to be an amazing leader within the department, but that he had to make a choice. And I challenged him to do so. 
That was the last I heard from him, and really, to be honest, didn't think much about him after that. And then I got a letter. Brian was about to start his first year of public school teaching. He thanked me for the words that I said to him that day. He told me of drug and alcohol abuse that had almost ruined his life. He had dropped out of school for a while after I left, but had finally gone back and finished. Somehow, some way, God used those words that I said to him to help him realize that he needed to get his life on track. He wanted me to know that he wanted to have the same kind of influence on his students. One more story. I was traveling for ENC in one of my summers of summer ministries, and we were assigned to help out at Nazarene Youth Congress in Orlando. At the conference, as there always is, there was a large hall filled with vendor booths of all sorts, colleges, ministry organizations, so on. ENC, like all the other Nazarene colleges, had our little display booth with application materials and PR materials and pictures. That afternoon, my assignment was to man the booth. No problem. I had just finished my freshman year and was full, probably overly full, of self-confidence and sure of my abilities to represent the school well. A very distinguished-looking man in a three-piece suit approached and began asking questions about the college. I assumed that he was an executive from the convention center or one of the other ministry organizations. I answered his questions the best I could. He then began to ask about the president of the college. I quickly began to tell him of our president, Dr. Cecil Paul, and how he was very well liked by the students. Well, he's sort of new to the college, isn't he? You can probably see where this is going. At the time, I didn't. Yes, he is, I replied. Well, who was there before him? I thought for a moment. Dr. Neese, I responded. Dr. Stephen Neese. And what did the students think about him? Fortunately, I only had good things to say. And after a moment, he began to chuckle. He thrust his hand forward to shake hands and said, Hi, I'm Stephen Neese. I am thankful to this day that I didn't say anything that I would later regret. Why do I end with this story? I end with this because first, it's a funny story. And many of you know of or knew Dr. Neese. But really, it's because it makes me think about identity. Who am I? What do people see in me? What do I want to be known for? There was a song written back in the 80s by a singer named Steve Camp that said, Could I be called a Christian if everybody knew the secret thoughts and feelings of everything I do? Could they see the likeness of Christ in me each day? Or could they hear him speaking in every word I say? Could I be called a Christian if my faith I didn't show? If I didn't go to places where the Lord would have me go? If I do not love his truth? If I do not guard his trust? If I cherish more than Jesus, my greatest hidden lust? to obey all he's commanded, 
to do all that he said, to be his true disciple, to place no confidence in the flesh, to glory in Christ Jesus. It's he who justifies. How to find your life, you must lose it. To live, you first must die. Let everyone examine their own life. Could I be called a Christian? Over the years, and even again recently, I've struggled with the question, what does it really mean to be a Christian? A Christ follower. As I was thinking about that this week, I was reminded of a sermon I heard many years ago titled, uh, called Title or Testimony. The speaker posed the question, how are you living your life? Are you living to live a title or a testimony? What are you going to leave behind? Are you seeking the world's view of success and working frantically to accumulate degrees and professional accolades? Or are you living to leave a lasting legacy because of the people that you impact for Christ? Banks spent his time mentoring and loving two ornery pastor's kids. and My life has never been the same. I often wonder how many kids in Allentown, Pennsylvania made it through their teenage years, became productive members of society, carrying with them a faith that was nurtured by a simple guy named Dave McKnight. How many lives were changed by the better, by the teaching and ministry of so many people like Mike Schutz and Doug Hardy. I also wonder what would have happened to Ryan if I had not let Christ flow through me in that pivotal moment in his life. These aren't stories really about me or the people that I've named, as much as they are stories about a faithful Redeemer using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. The story is told about a young author, Robert Louis Stevenson. One night as he was supposed to be preparing for bed, he was caught sitting and staring out the window. When asked what he was doing, he explained that he was watching the man light the gas street lanterns that lined the street. The young boy exclaimed, he's poking holes in the darkness. Ever since I heard this story a couple of years ago, I've had a sign that hangs by the door in my office, right by the light switch. And it says, Lord Jesus, you are the light of the world. Use me today to poke holes in the darkness. We're called to be the salt and light of the earth. And I end with this. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Amen.